All right. Well, praise the Lord. Well, this morning we're going to continue a series uh, that we've been in for the summer on the attributes of God. And I hope you've been enjoying this and being challenged because we're asking ourselves to wrestle with the statement, God is, and then we're asking, how would we fill in the blank? And I'll be the first to admit, it's not an easy task. It's not an easy assignment. And we've said that it's a safe place for us to be wrestling, to explore, to kind of seek, to search Scripture, to understand that we can grow in our knowledge of God and that God wants that. And even if we walk away with more questions, we think that's okay. We're hoping to answer some questions along the way, but we understand that the number one goal of this series is for us to think more about God. And I pray that this summer, this will, as you look back on 2013 summer, that this will be a summer that you can mark on your, on your uh, spiritual journey, that you had all kinds of conversations about God, about who He is. And the second thing we said is that, we, that out of not only are we going to uh, talk more about God, think more about Him, but we want to desire more of Jesus in our lives. And I believe that as we do that, the result is that we'll become more like Him. And I'm excited because a healthy church will have a healthy understanding of God and His attributes. And so we're growing together, and we're asking the Lord to help us. And along our journey of trying to comprehend the incomprehensible, we started our journey a few weeks back by grasping the concept that God is a person. God is a person. He has hands and feet and eyes and nose. Not only the physical attributes, but He cares. He loves. He listens. He rejoices. He holds us, He comforts us, He cries over us. And ultimately, God wants a personal relationship with us. Isn't that amazing? That the God of the universe, in fact, that's why we were created, to have relationship with Him. And as we've read Scripture, we can, understand, we can uh, discover what He likes, what He dislikes. We can discover His thoughts, His reasoning. And we can also find out questions Hard questions sometimes. Why is God merciful and kind and benevolent? We can find out questions like that. Why does God answer prayer? Why does God forgive? Why does God care? And the answers of that lie in the fact that Scripture describes that number two, we said, was that God is good. And we unpacked that a couple weeks ago. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, you are good and what you do is good. Talking about our heavenly father. And it's impossible for God to be anything other than good. Aren't you thankful for that? And even if we wrestle with the reality of evil and that bad things happen to good people as a result of sin, as we unpack that, we can confidently trust that God is for us and he is not, he has not deserted us. He hasn't left us high and dry. In fact, instead, he is relentlessly pursuing us. He is, his heart is for you and for me. And he rescues us over and over, even when we don't deserve it. We never deserved it, but he continues to do it. And the bottom line, when we embrace God's goodness, when we understand God's goodness and we can, we can rest in his goodness, 
It's really a sign of spiritual maturity, of spiritual health. And really, we want to grow to that place where we can say, you know, God is good, even in the hard times, even when things are tough, even when my knee still hurts, even when, you know, my back still aches, even when, you know, there's loss or there's pain or, or there's, there's financial trouble. God is good. Everyone say that. God is good. That is so powerful, and we unpacked that. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago when we talked about that, get online, listen to that message. I pray that it'll be a blessing to you. Well, today we're going to continue our journey, and we're going to look at the fact that God is omni, all right? Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. And I'm going to just stop and pray uh, and just ask the Lord. Uh, this week, I, I had been doing a lot of pre-study, and we knew we were going to be talking about this. And on Monday, Monday afternoon, I kind of got kind of hung up on an idea. I was listening to a pastor uh, talk about the omnipresence of God, and, uh, and he, and he kind of uh, took a turn and kind of brought it into the here and now, and we're going to do that this morning. Uh, but then I, as I even continue to, to prepare uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then I've been out of town for a couple days, but even last night for another couple hours, this morning, uh, I just believe God wants to speak this morning to help us to understand His nature and to, to really uh, get our mind around this, that we can leave with some confidence of who God is and to really bring God into the real. Uh, and, uh, and so let me pray, just ask God to help me and uh, as we kind of unpack. I feel, I, I said to Bob this morning, I said, I feel like I'm pregnant. And I'm, I mean, I'm not pregnant. I might look like I'm pregnant, but I'm losing it. No, I'm just kidding. I know, I'm just kidding. But I feel like I'm pregnant and I, I need to kind of let some things out and uh, and, um, and so that's kind of where I feel like I am this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we just, uh, we just honor your word, uh, the truth of who you are. And God, I pray that as we unpack some of the truth of your omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence, I pray that it would speak loud and clear. Lord, that the focus would not be on me, but it would be on you. And Lord, help us to respond to who you are. And uh, help us to know uh, before we walk out of here that you are in control and that you are good and that you, are, you, you hold the world in your hands. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. And help us to relate that, to answer the question, uh, so what? What does that mean for me? And what can that mean? And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just speak loud and clear today for your glory, for your honor. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So let's look at the first one, that God is omnipotent. Psalm 62 verse 11 says, You, O God, are strong. Omni means all. Potent refers to power. The term that is best described in Scripture that kind of relates to this is almighty. If you read through Scripture, you might see the word almighty. In fact, 56 times that, you, that word is used in, in, the, in the Bible. Every single time it's used, it's used in reference to God. No one else is almighty, all-powerful. A definition that you can kind of sink your teeth into is this, that God has all power and all authority to perform all of his decrees. 
I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. What that means is that his ability is absolute, without measure. God can do anything as easily as anything else. What that means is that cancer, to heal that, would be the same as healing a sore throat. It's as easy for God to split the Red Sea as it is for him to cause the tides on Lake Michigan to kind of be high or to be low. It's as easy as for God to raise someone from the dead as it is for the sun to come up each and every morning. Nothing about God comes easier than anything else. His acts are done without effort. There's no energy expended or have have to be replenished. God does not have to look inside of himself for renewal of strength. God is all-powerful. And it's God's power that gives life to all of the other attributes that we've talked about and we continue to talk about. And the attributes that you are noting as you're reading through Scripture this summer, saying, hey, that's an attribute of God. Or this is describing who God is. It's God's power that gives life or breath or strength. It applies to each and every one of the attributes. Let me give you some examples. God has the power, first of all, to save us. Aren't you thankful for that? He has the power to redeem us. Where we were destined for, uh, because of our sin nature, for an eternity separated from God, He has the power to change the, the course of history for our lives. He has the power to save. He also has the power over nature. In the Old Testament, lots and lots of ways we can see that. But I was reminded this week of the plagues uh, that that God sent before Pharaoh would let the the Israelites go. And uh, the parting of the Red Sea came a little later. Those are power over nature. And Jesus, by the way, had the same power over nature. He was able to multiply the loaves. He was able to walk on water. He withered the fig tree by, the, by, the, by his own voice. He was able to calm the storm. He turned water into wine. I love what John, 8, John 10, 18 says, that Jesus has power over his own life. It says he has the authority to lay down his own life. And so what we see in that is that even, even Christ has the power over death. And when we see Christ at work, when we see Jesus on this earth and we read through the Gospels, we see Jesus asserting his power at different times. But voluntarily, when he was fully man, he had limits. Fully God, fully man. So we see Jesus becoming tired. You're saying, well, how is that possible if he was full of, full of power? Well, he limited some of his power when he was here on earth. Now, the great thing about his power, and the thing that really kind of jumped out at me in regards to this particular uh, attribute that we're talking about, is that we as believers can tap in to his power to overcome sin. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 describes something that is very important. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up underneath it. There is no sin that you cannot get freedom from by the power 
of God. The power of God is that big. We are powerless, but we have great power when we engage with who Christ is, Christ in us. We are powerless on our own, but with Christ, we have all kinds of power. In fact, Christ in me is greater than Satan. Isn't that awesome? Turn to First uh, John chapter 4. Uh, I love what this says. First John chapter 4, verse 4, talking about different spirits and uh, different uh, attack. And it says, you, my dear children, you are from God and he'll overcome all those spirits, all of the, the, uh, the darkness, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What I, when I read that, I understand that Satan is not just on a, on a free leash. He is not out of control. In fact, he's on a leash, but God is ultimately in control. And we can tap into his power to overcome sin, to overcome demonic forces. God can help us in each of these things. The other thing is that we can tap into his power to accomplish his will. I believe God has a perfect plan and a perfect will for each and every one of us. And part of that, I believe, is that he can give healing and strength to our mortal bodies. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says that God gives life to our mortal bodies. He does that. And so there's healing and strength and wholeness that is provided through Christ's power in us. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We have the power within us, not our own strength, but God's strength working at it within us to do incredible things. Power to witness, power to heal. And again, it's not in me. It's the power of God that's inside of me that's at work. I really appreciated Sherry and uh, Kim Babcock last week as they described the, the power of God that, that is at work uh, in the different services that they've led. And even last Sunday, as, as we were able to respond, they, they, they were very intentional. They would bring up children to pray because it wasn't about Kim or Sherry. It was about the power of God at work through them, through their ministry, through even a child. And I love that. Let's think about it. If God was not all-powerful, then his mercy would be feeble. His, his promises would be empty. We could not trust him if his power was not all-encompassing. In fact, it is his omnipotence that gives us faith and confidence. The result is peace. One theologian described Christ or God's omnipotence as a pillow. It's something we can rest our head on, saying that God has this. I do not have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. God is in control. He is all-powerful. I was thinking about it, how it kind of relates to my own life. And, and uh, you know, I've got two kids. Uh, they're older now, but when they were younger, there were times that I would uh, go into their room at night. They didn't want me to leave. And I'd say, hey, we're going to check and make sure everything is good before we leave, right? Like we had all this power. It was perceived power. In reality, it was limited. We really aren't all that in control. But to a young uh, child, 
They trust their parents when they say, look, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing in the closet. There's nothing under the bed. This is a safe environment for you to sleep. And what happens when, when that happens, when a father or a mother communicates that? There's a peace that rests over the room. The same is true with God. His power is so amazing. When we can get our mind around that, His limitless power, there is great peace. We can rest our head at night saying, God is in control no matter what. Isn't that powerful? God is all-powerful. That's the first thing. The second omni is that God is omniscient. Omni, of course, means all. And that second part of omniscience comes from the root word science, which is knowledge. A definition for you is this, that God knows everything. Everything actual, everything possible, all events, and all creatures, past, present, and future. God knows it all. God knows all that can be known. God knows all things perfectly. He does not know one thing better than the next. Isn't that interesting? God is never surprised. He's never amazed. He never wonders. God has never learned. In fact, he cannot learn. Think about it. If he could learn, he would be imperfect and less than himself. When I try to get my mind around this one, that God, he knows it all, my intellectual knowledge of God is so small, so obscure, and my guess is yours is too, compared to the greatness of God's knowledge. The interesting thing is that as I study this, is that God, he does not think, in the sense that we do at least. He cannot figure anything out. He is never bewildered or confused. He never walks around wondering what to do next. He just knows. He's all knowledge. Nothing has ever occurred to God. He is all knowledge. And there are some that will try to figure it out. In fact, if you turn with me to Job chapter 38, we see God respond to Job and his friends who were trying to figure God out, trying to to put the pieces together. And this is hilarious when you read this. Job chapter 38 says this. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? He's saying, Look, you guys are blowing smoke. He says, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. I love that about God. God is a little feisty here, okay? Uh, Job and his buddies, are, they're trying to figure God out. They're, especially his buddies, they're trying to say, oh, you know, God has left you, God, all these things, all this philosophy. And God says this, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. And of course they don't understand. Who marked off the dimensions? Surely you know. 
And of course they don't. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? Turn with me to verse 16. It says, Have you journeyed to the springs of the seas or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. And he continues. And of course, they're, they're like, well, we, we can't. And, and if Job is like, okay, his friends hopefully were like, okay, I'll shut my mouth and say, God, only you know. And we can rest in that. That God is all knowledge. God is all knowledge. He's everything. And with that, there's kind of two sides to the sword. The first side is kind of the comforting side that we understand that if he knows it all, he's got a plan. And not just an intellectual knowledge. He's not like a uh, theoretical, like a computer that can just spit out data. But he has a personal knowledge of who we are. He's warm and compassionate. He cares and he acts according to his character. He has a plan for you and for me. And we can rest in that. But not only does he know all the good, but on the flip side, he also knows the bad. In fact, we cannot hide from God. Every word Every action, every thought will be held account. We will be held accountable for. And that's kind of scary, isn't it? It's scary for me because I've said some things, I've done some things that I'm not happy about. But God knows the good and the bad. He knows it all. What does that mean to me? It means that nothing catches him by surprise. And it also means to me that God has already planned and provided for me and for my family to walk through whatever, he, the, whatever life throws our way. Because God knows. Because God knows. You start thinking about everything that God knows. The hairs on our head, the Bible says. But then you kind of bring it into a scientific, you know, all of physics and atomic energy uh, he knows the cure for cancer. He knows where the cancer started. He, all of philosophy, all of thought, he knows it all. And what I want you to know, just like his omnipotence causes us to have peace, when we get our mind around the fact that he knows it all, that he's omniscient, we can trust him. There's great trust that comes in his knowledge. I was thinking about this week. A few years ago, my dad and I uh, wanted to uh, check off a couple things on our um, bucket list. And one of those things was to skydive. And uh, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about this week, that we showed up at this skydiving company, and we put our faith and we put our trust 
in the knowledge of those guys that not only do they know how to drive a plane, and they're kind of motley looking crew, I'm not going to lie to you. And the plane was, you know, it had a big hole in the side that was cut out. It was made for jumping out of. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, but we trusted them. And then not only we did a tandem jump, so we didn't go through the whole training. We didn't have to pack our own chute and all that. But we were attached to an instructor, and we had to trust that the instructor knew what he was doing, right? And that he packed his bag and that he didn't have a death wish on his own life. And then we jumped out together, trusting that the shoot would work, that the knowledge that the instructor had to put that together was right. And we were able to trust because they had a track record. It was a well-established company, even though it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, but what's interesting, that this guy had jumped a thousand times or more that, was, that, was, uh, that I was strapped to. He was on my back, so I'm kind of looking down like this. And it was awesome. But think about it. With God, there's nothing that he doesn't know. And because he knows it all, we can put our complete trust in him. His track record is perfect. And we can trust him no matter what. So we can have peace because of his omnipotence. We can trust him because of his omniscience. And I want to talk about his third one, his omnipresence. God is omnipresent. Omni meaning all. Present means to be close to, to be near, to be right next to me, so to speak. There are tons of scripture that describe that God is everywhere, here. God is close to everything, next to everyone. God has no limit. God has no bounds. Here's the definition for omnipresence is that God is fully present in all places at all times. You know what that means? God can't travel because he's already there. A.W. Tozer, he quotes in his book that I've been studying and kind of reading, he quotes a guy, and I have no idea who this guy is, but he's probably important. Uh, his name is Hildebert of Laverdine, and he says this about God. He tries to put it into context. He says that God is over all things. He is under all things. He is outside all, within but not enclosed, without but not excluded, above but not raised up, Below, but not depressed. Holy above, presiding. Holy beneath, sustaining. And holy within, filling. If that doesn't blow your mind, I'm not sure what will. And I read that, and I reread that. And I would encourage you to look that up and meditate on that. The bigness of God. Where is God? He's everywhere. The heavens cannot contain Him. And what's so great is that even though he's so big, he's so ginormous, guess who's there when the phone rings and it's bad news and you feel all alone? God is right there with you. Guess who's there when you're traveling around the world and you feel all alone? Or in your, you're in your car by yourself. Guess who's there? Or you're in your office by yourself. God is there. There is nowhere that you can go where you can escape His presence. And the truth of this gives meaning to our lives. 
When you really get your mind around that God is everywhere, He is present, He is near us, He's next to us, God sees us and knows us through and through. The fact is, it brings God into the real for us. God is. The scripture, the, the, uh, the term used in scripture is Yahweh. When Moses asked, uh, how will we know him? He, God said, I am Yahweh. He is all these things. And I know that faith is, that's where faith starts. It's a deep source of contentment comes because God is, I am. Comfort and sorrow, steadfastness. God is already there, really. He's there. He is there for us. Now, some Christians and even non-believers will say, okay, I understand that in my mind, but there are times where I don't feel God's presence. Maybe you've been there. I know I have at times. You feel distant from God. I want to talk about that just for a second, and then I'm going to wrap, wrap this up with the final thought. Why does God feel distant sometimes? It's not because God isn't there. It's because of the dissimilarities in our nature from God's. It's sin that separates, whether you're a believer or even an unbeliever. But if we could walk a holy life completely sinless, we would feel God's presence all the time. And the encouragement is that the more similar we are to Christ, the more we are able to fellowship with Him. Let me explain. Um, this week, uh, I, I took my son to uh, Chicago for a, a game, and we were on the, on the train going in. And there was a, uh, a family that spoke some other language. I don't even know what, what language. And because we didn't speak the same language, we didn't communicate at all. Does that make sense? We were, on, we we're not similar. But you put the same, uh, uh, that person shifts out and another person uh, slides up into those seats and uh, they speak English. Now we can have a conversation. Our relationship, our connection can grow. Then you put someone next to us that go into the Tigers game. They've got Tiger gear on. So our interests are the same. Our passions are the same. And there's even further connection. Does that make sense? And so the more similar we are with Christ, with God, the better the connection we'll have with Him. He is everywhere. He's always there. And you can feel His presence the stronger you have similarities with Him. Now, A.W. Tozer says that what we think about God is the most important thing about us. And when we try to get our mind around the omnis of God, his omniscience, his omnipotent, or his omnipotence, and his uh, omnipresence. There's peace, there's trust, that's where faith begins. But there's another piece to this puzzle that really captured my heart. And when it comes to the manifest presence of God, to the manifest knowledge of God, and to the manifest power of God. 
And early on in the week, I kind of got a picture of, of when I was studying the manifest presence of God uh, by uh, a guy named Robert Morris. Actually, he was talking about the revealed, manifest means the revealed presence of God. And you can track through scripture uh, on each of these areas and see that we serve a supernatural God that even though he's always there and he's, he's, his presence is always there, there are times when the manifest presence of God is revealed. And I'll explain. There's something heavenly that happens, something heavenly that emerges. And we see that when a husband and wife get along and there's unity in their families. When there's great love, when there's care. We see that when we learn to give when we are honest and there's integrity in our lives, the manifest presence of God is revealed through each and every one of us. It can be revealed through each of us. What about the manifest knowledge of God? That God would reveal secrets of the kingdom to us. We see it in Scripture, how God at times will put words of knowledge into people's hearts and in lives, and it'll, it'll transform a nation, or it'll, it'll, it'll take a group of people from one point to the next. And God wants to do that over and over. He has the ability to manifest His knowledge to us, His wisdom on the job for you, if you're up against something, you're trying to figure something out on the job, he can bring solutions that are from heaven. And God, he wants to do that. He wants to reveal to each and every one of us and to work through us. And what's interesting is that when we embrace that, we can understand that faith grows when we listen to God, the manifest knowledge of God. And what about the manifest power of God? I believe it's always according to God's will. I don't believe that we serve a God like a genie in the bottle that we can rub the side of a lamp and say, hey, this is what we want. But it's according to His will. But if we pray according to His will, His manifest power can be present in our lives. We see that in salvation, that when God saves, when God is drawing someone to Him, His manifest power is at work in that person. We see it in healings and in miracles and in the different supernatural gifts that are described in Scripture. And when I understand that, or what I'm trying to get my mind around, is that the manifest power of God is available to us that we would be a conduit of God's glory, that He would work through us, that the power of God would be at work in each and every one of us. As I got, tried to get my mind around the manifest power, the manifest knowledge, the manifest presence of God this week, there was a desire in my heart, something I craved, a hunger that I had for a relationship with God that was so real, that was so authentic, that was so supernatural, it was revealed or manifested in my life. I'm still struggling with what that all means, if I can be honest with you. But that's what I desire, even if I don't understand it fully, is that God would be so real to me that His power 
would be evident that when I prayed that God would use my prayers to touch the sick, to, for miracles to happen. That when I would be walking down the street and I could sense some, some spiritual darkness, that I could engage with someone and that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ because of the power of God working through my life. Doesn't that sound exciting? Yeah. Or that I would be going down, in, uh, down the road and, and uh, God would give me a word of wisdom, His manifest knowledge. His knowledge would be revealed to me for certain circumstances or certain, uh, for certain outcomes, Amen. that there would be wisdom flowing through me to make a difference for His glory. Or His presence would be so alive inside of my heart that my marriage would be stronger, that my love for this church and for this community would grow and for the world that I would be so honest, that integrity would be such a critical part, that, that people would see God's presence manifested in my life as I gave. In every area of my life, the manifest presence, knowledge, and power of God. And as I've meditated on that and asked the Lord to allow me to live in such a way where His manifest presence, knowledge, and power would be in my life. I desire that not only for me, but for our church as well. That God would use us to make an impact. Because when God's glory is revealed, I believe it draws people to Him. And I desire that deeply for me and for our church. There's a song that's been over, going over and over in my mind. I, and I was asking Brennan about it. Uh, this song was probably created when you were like two years old or something like that. But uh, it was, you guys remember the Brownsville revival uh, that happened 12, 15 years ago, whatever that was? Um, I, I had the privilege of going to the revival services down in Florida. And there was a, you know, a song, I forget the guy's name that, that was uh, leading a lot of the songs. But anyway, there's a part of this one song that just says, Show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory, Lord. Let your goodness pass before us right before our eyes. And then the response is, then we will worship, then we will bow down, then we'll kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Then we will, something or other, I can't remember all the words. But the, but the part that just I can't get away from is just a desire in my heart saying, God, show me your glory. Amen. Show me your glory. Let your goodness pass before me, right before my eyes. Your presence, your power, your knowledge. I'm craving that. And I, my desire is that as we understand the attribute of God that he is all-powerful, that He is all-present, always here, and He is all-knowing, that we would tap into the manifest power, presence, and knowledge of our living God. It brings Him so real, doesn't it? Amen. Brendan, I'm going to ask that you come, and I'm going to just ask that you would close your eyes and, and just, just begin or continue to maybe think about what's been said this morning about the attributes of God and how he wants to reveal himself to you 
His power, His knowledge, His presence to be alive and to be well in your life this morning, this week, this year. That's God's heart. It brings God, this supernatural God that is hard to get our mind around, this incomprehensible God, into the real when He manifests His power and His presence and His knowledge. And this morning, I believe that as we're here together, that it's quite possible there's someone here this morning that God is opening up their understanding of their depravity, that their, their fallenness, that their sin that is separating you from Christ this morning. You know what the Bible says that even one sin will keep us from an eternity with God in heaven. One mistake, one lie, one time cheating, one time using God's name in vain, and we were separated from God. We're born with a sin nature. But God provided a way for us. He provides a way through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if we accept His Son, Jesus, into our hearts, into our lives, He will save us. It's a miracle. We don't deserve it, but He offers it to us. And this morning, I'd like to offer you what Christ offers is salvation. A right relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, or maybe you're away from God, you have uh, feel like you're distant or disconnected, don't walk out of here feeling like you're abandoned, but embrace the truth that God is here and He wants to know you even better. If you're here this morning, that's you. Would you just be honest this morning and say, yep, that's where I am, and I'd like to accept Jesus into my heart? as we offer salvation this morning in a practical way, is there anyone here that would respond, that needs to respond in that way? All right. I'm not seeing any hands this morning. So let's just assume here for a moment, with your eyes closed, as you're continuing to contemplate the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the bigness of God, let's assume that we've all accepted Christ. It's very possible this morning that you are here and you know you're a believer, but you still feel distant from God. And I just want to say that God, He desires a closeness with you and that comes from being more similar with who Christ is. Will we ever attain perfectness? On this side of eternity, no. But it's our pursuit of holiness and pursuit of God that brings us into alignment with who God is. And I'm going to ask that every head bowed and eyes closed, if you would just be honest in this moment, I'm not going to embarrass anyone here, but just in a moment of honesty, who would say, I desire to be closer to God 
uh, and I, there's some sin in my life that I need to deal with. Would you just be honest and just lift your hand? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, who else? Yeah, yeah, me too, sure. And the Lord, he wants to help us in that. He wants to help us in that. out with love and joy and peace, a care, an honesty, and integrity. Your presence manifests in us in our giving, in our day-to-day, Lord, your presence in our lives. Just, just think about God's presence in your life. Do you desire his manifest presence, his revealed presence at work and at home, at school, for those of you that are in school, that God would be with you. And not only that he's there, but he's evident with you, that it would make a difference. His manifest presence, his manifest presence. How many this morning desire his manifest presence in our lives? Yeah, thank you, Lord. God, show us your glory in this area, God. Thank you, Jesus. How about his manifest knowledge? To know, to know what's right from wrong, to know with full wisdom and confidence of who God is for solutions on the job to have revealed the secrets of heaven for our circumstances. The knowledge, the manifest knowledge of God. The revealed knowledge in our lives. Just imagine how that would change things in your family. How it would change things as you raise your kids. How it would change things at work how it would change things even here at the church if God was manifesting his knowledge through you how would a manifest power change things as you prayed for the sick praying for miracles or for other supernatural gifts to be evident in and through your life for his glory, for his honor. This morning, can we get our mind around the fact that God 
He makes it available to us, His manifest power. If we're willing to be an open vessel, He desires to work through His people. We can embrace this attribute. How many here this morning would say, Pastor, I desire the manifest power of God to be at work in my life? Only raise your hand if you're honest. Because, boy, that is a game changer. That is something that will, we will be more effective. We will grow exponentially when we experience the power and the presence and the knowledge of God in our lives. And what I've come to understand this week, I believe through prayer, is that this is what brings our relationship with God into the real, into the now. It puts an authenticity on our walk with the Lord when the supernatural is at work. And I just want to say, and now you're with your eyes on me this, at this point, that I, I understand that it's kind of a, moment where we're a lot of thoughts going on. I could tell you guys are thinking about some of these things. I'm going to challenge you like I'm challenging myself to search the scripture. Look for his manifest power, his manifest knowledge, his manifest uh, wisdom, knowledge, and his presence. It's all throughout scripture. And I believe that we serve the same God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's the same yesterday, today, as he will be tomorrow. And he's looking for people to be used for his glory. And these attributes in particular, I believe, are available to us. We don't own them. It's not us, but they can be used through us for God's glory. Show us your glory And if you're excited about that, like I am, uh, I pray that you would leave here today and to ask the Lord, God, move in my life in this way. Keep the conversation going. I'm going to pray a prayer of benediction. The altars will be open. If you want to come and respond, spend some time. We've got about 15 minutes before second service. Uh, spend some time in, in God's presence. You certainly can. If you need prayer for anything, uh, we would love to anoint you with oil and pray, um, believe with you for whatever you're facing. Um, otherwise, after I pray this prayer, you, you're free to go. Go in the grace of God. Know that we love you and, uh, and let the manifest power, presence, and knowledge of God um, rock your world in your mind this week, okay? Let's pray. Lord, We thank you that you are helping us to grow in our understanding of who you are. And Lord, as I understand these attributes in particular, I understand that you, throughout history, have revealed these attributes at certain times for specific reasons, always to show your glory to draw someone to you for salvation, to heal the sick, the lame, 
that your presence would be manifest to change a nation, to change a family. And Lord, I desire that deeply in my heart. And I desire it from a head knowledge, but also from the pit of my stomach. A desire to be with you, that your relationship with me, that it would become more real, more authentic, more supernatural, God revealed in me. And Lord, I pray that for this church, for each person that's here, that we would embrace who you are. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. We love you. God bless you as you go. If you want a prayer for anything, the altars are open. Let's take some time and respond if you have the time. Otherwise, go in the grace of God.